Good morning. I'm Stuart Holland. I'm one of the elders here at, at Trinity. Um, I've been given the privilege of, of sharing from God's Word with you this morning. Um, the passage we're going to cover is, is Psalm 23. And uh, unlike Ken, I'm going to cover a whole chapter in one sermon. So it does happen to only be six verses, but uh, we're going to cover the whole thing. I hope you'll see from this that our good shepherd treats us with grace. We are going to see that as we go through this. Grace is when God gives us what we don't deserve. Things that you receive by grace can't be bought because then it would just become an obligation from a business transaction. They can't be earned because then it would it would be by works. And they can't be inherited because then it's based on who you're related to. Things received by grace are an undeserved gift. I'm going to read our passage and then we'll have a time of silent prayer or each one of you can pray for hearts to be transformed by God's word. That's what we hope for. And then I'll, I'll pray for God's blessing on our time. So I'm going to be reading from the English Standard Version. Um, it says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Please pray silently for God to prepare you to hear him speak through his word. Father, I thank you for this body of believers. I thank you for the warm fellowship that I've just witnessed. Father, I thank you for your word. And as we study it now, I pray that you would help each one of us to discover truth that would then transform us and glorify you. Father, in our midst, there are probably some that that don't know you. I pray your spirit would work in their life even now 
to draw them to that good shepherd, Jesus Christ. And Father, for those of us that know you, I pray that we would be sanctified through the time in your word, that the truth would change us. Father, uh, speak through me now. Help your words to be heard. Help it not to just be my thoughts, but to be your inspiration that, that people go away with. We pray this in the name of our Savior, the risen Messiah, Jesus Christ. Amen. So Psalm 23 is written by David. Um, as, as we read earlier from Samuel, David was a shepherd. So he understood what it was like to guide sheep, to be a shepherd. He begins this psalm with the phrase, the Lord is my shepherd. Now in the original language, this was Yahweh, Y-H-W-H. We, we had vows to pronounce it. Um, in Exodus 3, God told us what it meant. It said, I am who I am. Now the names for God in the Bible, they reveal God's character to us. For him to say, I am who I am, shows that he's eternal. He is sovereign. He's in control. He's unchanging. And he is self-sufficient. See, he's superior to all other beings. He doesn't need help. And he's not accountable to anyone else. A shepherd was the opposite. A shepherd was a lowly task. It was unpleasant because sheep needed help 24-7. I mean, it was a constant job. They required guidance. They required protection just to survive. They are very helpless animals. Now, God graciously took the role of a shepherd on our behalf. He knew that we would need provision, protection, and most of all, we would need redemption. Now notice when, when David said, the Lord is my shepherd, he said, my. God is a personal God. Throughout this psalm, it is filled with personal pronouns. David had a relationship with God that was personal. God offers that to each one of us as well. Now, when David states that the Lord is his shepherd, he's placing himself in the position of a sheep. He's saying, I need guidance. I need protection. David is wise to rely upon the Lord. See, the natural way of man is to define our own path. We often believe we know what is best for us. And then we expect God to bless our choices. When we should be seeking wisdom from him, 
in our decisions rather than expecting him to bless the decisions we make. So are your decisions based more on your desires or God's direction? Psalm 145.19 states that God grants the desires of those who fear him. Now this fear is, is a reverence more than it is being afraid or terrified of God. I believe God grants us the desires of our hearts when we prayerfully seek his guidance because he then molds our desires to be consistent with his perfect will. See, David wants the Lord as his shepherd because David knows the character of the Lord. He knows that God is almighty. He's holy. He's gracious. He's just. He's omniscient. And he's trustworthy. The more we know and understand the character of God and experience him working in our lives, the easier it is for us to trust him, regardless of our circumstances. See, David had trusted God through many difficult circumstances. And that caused him to humbly seek God as his shepherd. We should each make that same declaration that the Lord is our shepherd. In John 10 verse 11, Jesus stated, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. You see, Jesus gave his life for us because he loves us and the good shepherd treats us with grace. Obedient sheep then follow the lead of their shepherd. Christians should have this mindset to follow the guidance of the good shepherd, Jesus Christ. In John 10, 27, Jesus stated, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. How well are you listening to and following the guidance of the good shepherd? Jesus described those who failed to follow him in Matthew 9.36. He said, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. You see, a sheep without a shepherd, they will often just stay in one area and graze and graze and graze until... They've, they've got a dirt patch. And then they don't have anything to eat. It affects them physically. It also puts them in a weak position to where predators or parasites can attack them easily. You see, people are the same way. We need God's provision and protection to succeed in this life spiritually. Now, Someone may be able to thrive without God according to the world standards. But to spiritually be successful, spiritual success comes only with, with the Lord as our shepherd. Spiritual success comes only with the Lord as our shepherd. Any other way, leads to failure. 
David continued with the sheep analogy in verse 2. He says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Sheep and animal in general, they lie down to rest. If they're fearful, if they're tormented by insects, or if they're hungry, they're not going to lay down. They're going to try and meet that need. They're going to be unable to rest. With Jesus as our good shepherd, we can rest spiritually because we know he has fully accomplished our salvation. We have nothing to fear because he completed the work that was needed for our salvation. Our shepherd treats us with grace In John 10, 27 and 28, it says, My sheep hear my voice, I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. See, the completed work of the Good Shepherd brings eternal security to believers. If you've got genuine faith in Christ, you have spiritual rest, knowing that your salvation is secure. In verse 2, he continues, he said, leads me beside still waters. Now, sheep don't like, they don't trust rushing water. If you take them to a rapidly moving stream, they're not going to get close to it to drink water. They prefer quiet waters to drink from. Now, each one of us are similar. We need to be led to quiet waters to have time with the Lord. Uninterrupted, peaceful time with God in prayer and His Word promotes spiritual growth. Where do you find still water so that you can meet with the Lord? For me, it's early in the morning before there are any distractions that would impact my focus. I like to spend time in God's Word. If I get out of that routine, toward the end of the day, I'll recognize that, wait a minute, I haven't had the quality time with God that I really need. And it shows in my personality as well. Restoration of our souls is what he talks about next. In verse 3, he says, He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. To say that someone needs restoration shows that they have a need. Now, sheep sheep can easily get in a bad situation. Um, If you've ever been around a uh, an animal that when they lay down, if, if they get rolled in the wrong position, it's called cast. And one of our horses does this on a routine basis. He, he'll roll toward the side of this stall, and, and then we hear him banging around, and we know, okay, he can't get up. He's stuck on his back, and, you know, the, the worst case is that you have to go in and roll him over to where he can get up. Well, what happens with sheep, if they get all their feet off the ground, they can't get back up. And 
they can easily die from it. So it's a dangerous situation for them. You know, each of us have spiritual danger that we can face. You see, we're each sinners. And that puts us subject to God's wrath for sin. We can't fix that problem on our own. We can't solve our sin problem on our own. We need the salvation and forgiveness that comes only through faith in Jesus Christ. There's nothing we can do to earn God's forgiveness. We can't buy it. We can't inherit it. His sacrificial death provided the restoration with God that we desperately need. In Isaiah 53, 6, Isaiah wrote, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. See, Jesus took God's wrath for sin on our behalf so that we could be forgiven and receive restoration, a renewed relationship with God, that fellowship that we strongly need. Believers also face times when they need restoration with God. Fortunately, even as believers, we sin. David experienced that. He sinned with with Bathsheba and then Uriah. Hebrews 12 describes what God does for believers. It's discipline. God uses discipline with his children, and he designs it to yield the peaceful fruit of righteousness in our lives. David reminds us that this path of righteousness is the result of God's leading. It's not a self-effort that leads us to a righteous life. It's when we follow God's leading. God's character is represented by his name. So when he says, for his name's sake, because of God's character, that he'll lead us to a righteous life. In verse 4, David wrote, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So the valley of the shadow of death would be a place of danger for for the sheep. Perhaps there were wild animals lurking in the, the caves along the side. Or perhaps if a storm came up, there would be a flood. The shepherd takes the sheep through the valley. He doesn't try to avoid it. You see, God takes us through difficult situations to strengthen us spiritually. We can take comfort in the trials that we face because we know that God is not surprised by what we encounter. God is omniscient. Nothing in all creation 
is hidden from his sight. While situations can catch us by surprise and and be unprepared, that's never the case for the good shepherd. He knows all things and he can do all things. Okay, athletes improve by, by hard workouts and practice. Um, an athlete doesn't improve just by watching a film of a game. A runner must routinely exercise to maintain or improve their physical condition. The difficult situations that we face in life are like spiritual workouts. God uses them to mature us spiritually as well as to bring him glory. If he led us to avoid every difficult situation, then we wouldn't be challenged spiritually. We'd be like a runner who gets exhausted long before the end of the race. And we would not be able to finish well. Notice David continues to use personal pronouns throughout this psalm. He said, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. I think David wrote this late in in his life. We don't really know for sure. But he had experienced God's deliverance from some very difficult trials. He faced Goliath with just a sling and a stone. Well, more than one stone. He faced Saul chasing him, trying to kill him. And then even his own son, Absalom. David trusted God based on his experiences with God so that he did not fear walking through dangerous valleys. So we've talked a little about discipline. The rod and staff of the shepherd are used to guide and protect the sheep, but they're also used to discipline the sheep that are wayward. Now trips through the valley prepare us for the mountaintop experiences that God has in store for us. I think it's important to note that David walked through the valley. He didn't stop and have a pity party when things went bad. Now, how many of you can remember the show Hee Haw? George, I know you remember it. There was a scene in Hee Haw where they complained about their bad luck. And it started with this little song, Gloom, Despair, and Agony on Me, Deep, Dark Depression, Excessive Misery. If it weren't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. Gloom, Despair, and Agony on Me. That is a pity party. So rather than having a pity party, We need to continue to move forward when we face a difficult situation. 
valleys lead to higher ground. If you keep moving forward, things will improve. How do you respond to the difficult situations that you face in life? Does your trust in God's guidance and protection allow you to move forward? Or do you find comfort in the midst of the trial and fear the evil that we could encounter and then throw a pity party? Now, this illustration with a physical valley, for us, a physical situation might be an illness, but it could also be a spiritual valley where your faith is challenged or or even persecuted. It can be an emotional valley where you're struggling with a relationship with another person. When we encounter these valleys, it's essential that we continue to move forward and not allow ourselves to stop and dwell upon our difficulties. In verse 5, David wrote, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. The Christian life is often described in military terms. Uh, Ephesians 6, Paul tells us to put on the full armor of God so we can stand against the schemes of the devil. In Psalm 23, 5 here, David is telling us that God provides for us during the spiritual battles we face. And it says he provides in the presence of our enemies. I think this shows us that he doesn't remove us from the battles, but he provides what we need to endure the battle because that's how we grow spiritually is when we endure difficulties. Now, sheep can easily be pestered by insects, um, so the shepherd would put oil on their head to, to ward off the insects Um, This was especially important if there was an injury because the insects can cause infection and that sort of thing. So for Christians, God has provided his spirit to dwell within us. It provides guidance and protection from the dangers of life, just like that oil would for, for sheep, the Holy Spirit does for us. Our responsibility is to follow the guidance that God gives us rather than rebelling and following our own desires. Now, I love the phrase at the end of verse 5. It says, my cup overflows. And this is a reminder that God's provision is bountiful. He doesn't just give us a little sip. He fills our cup to overflowing. An example of this is the truth of the Bible. See, God didn't just give us a few verses. He didn't just give us a little sip of truth. 
he gave us 66 books. He overflows our cup with truth. It's our responsibility then to drink from this overflowing cup, this source of truth. It builds our trust in God as we better understand his character. It guides us back to righteous living when we've strayed in sin. It equips us for the situations that we'll face. But most importantly, it reveals God's plan of salvation through Jesus Christ, the Messiah. How much time are you spending in the Word of God? Is it part of your daily routine? Or is it just something you hear quoted on Sunday morning? Verse 6 closes Psalm 23, says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. David gives us the goal or or ultimate privilege we have of, of following Jesus Christ. Goodness and mercy in this life is a good thing. But what else did he promise? He said, an eternal home with the Lord Jesus Christ. That's infinitely better than anything in this life. We don't know exactly what this house is going to look like, but we do know who is preparing it. In John 14, Jesus said, In my house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. At the time Jesus told this to his disciples, he'd not yet faced the cross. His going to prepare a place for believers began with his suffering on the cross. He took the just penalty for our sin. The good shepherd treats us with grace. In closing, I'd like to explain the gospel of Jesus Christ. So if any are here that don't know Christ, they can better understand what he's done for them. And also for those that know Christ, to better equip them to share this truth with others. The gospel begins by understanding that each of us are sinners. None of us have lived up to the standard that God set. We've all disobeyed God. Now, we're not as bad as we could be, but we're not perfect, and that's God's standard. Scripture also reveals what the penalty is for sin. 
penalty. Wages of sin is death. It's eternal separation from God. But the good news is God provided a substitute on our behalf. He sent his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who lived a sinless life to die a horrible death on our behalf. He took the wrath of God for our sin so that we could be clothed in his righteousness. We read earlier in Isaiah 53, it says, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. This gracious gift of, of forgiveness and eternal life is available to all who receive genuine faith in Jesus Christ. Our good shepherd laid down his life for his sheep. What a wonderful act of grace. Our good shepherd treats us with grace. Please bow with me. Heavenly Father, we, we thank you for the truth of your word. I pray that it would take root in each one of our lives so that we can bear fruit that glorifies you. Father, thank you that we have the good shepherd to lead us, to provide for us, to protect us. We thank you for, for his completed work on the cross that provided the redemption we so needed. Father, thank you that through faith in Jesus Christ, we are secure that our salvation, it, it's a done deal. Father, thank you for the opportunities you give us to share this truth with others. I pray that you would help us to recognize this week someone in our life that needs to hear about the Lord Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. Our benediction comes from Hebrews 13, verse 20 and 21. It says, Now may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. You're dismissed.